This is the Rebel Against the Programming Podcast. Hey, Jay, are you ready? Because it's time to start the show. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another podcast live recording. I hope everyone is having a wonderful, wonderful Monday. A little different, huh? A little different. Had a new uh, countdown. And uh, good to see everybody here. And I hope you enjoy our guest. Before that, don't forget, in the pinned comment, we have a limited edition Rebellion shirt from Nine Line Apparel. They're only selling this for like another 10 days, I think. A lot of people seem to like it. It's got the red, white, and blue flag and all that stuff on there. And uh, they kind of surprised me with that one. They kind of surprised me because I wasn't going to drop another shirt until after this uh, book promotion tour is over. You know, and uh, but no, here we are. They're like, hey, throw that out there and see what I was like. Okay, okay, more stuff for you guys to buy, more stuff for you guys to buy. Also, don't forget to check out geeksandgamers.com wherever you are and wherever you're listening to this podcast. Give me a rate, a like, a subscribe, or whatever, and everything is good. Look at everyone in the chat, they're like saying, Jay looks so professional. I know, I told you things were changing. I told you things were changing. I told you things were changing. So Anyway, today I have a special guest. He goes by the name of Good Logic. Something a little different. I know you guys are used to like pop culture stuff, but don't worry, don't worry. I, I love LawTube. You guys know that. Uh, we've had Nick Ricada on as well, and uh, I hope I hope you guys enjoy this get, this guest. And I'm I'm really nervous because I this is the first time like I have a guest on. I don't know, no, no, but I know him because because I watch him all the time. So here he is, Good Logic. His name, he put my name is Joe. <laughs> listen, listen, you're from New York and your name is Joe is like the stereotypes, like real, and like well, all that stuff. Actually, I, someone put that up for me. Like, oh, no, I put the my name is Joe up uh, okay. a while ago because I would be on panels and people, I would say something and five minutes later, someone referenced something that Joe said and people in the audience would be like, who's Joe? So that's why, but good logic is how most people know me. So that's why that, that became what it was. So, yeah. ah, I see, I see, I see a lot of your fan base has showed up, oh. you know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. They travel well. You they got travel. some, you got some good people in your space. <laughs> I have seems. awesome people. Yeah. I have, the, I, I love my chat. It's, the, it's like, it's like a, a big dysfunctional family. It's really, and it's a beautiful thing. Those are the best chats to have, man. Yes. <laughs> That is the secret to the grift, by the way, because the law, law to whatever that sphere is, the 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 successful ones who, you know, don't just make it big and then like, you know, ride the ride on that. But the ones who actually are podcasting regularly and getting regular viewers, the, the key to this and doing this regularly is not is having a chat that they they get to know each other and feel like they're friends with each other. That is the greatest accomplishment and and compliment because most of the time they're having a chat that has nothing to do with whatever i'm talking about there's literally just having like a back and forth i'll just throw out a reference you know i'll throw a reference to darth sidious you know like you and the next thing you know and i'll be talking about matt gates <laughs> and they'll just be talking about darth sidious for the next 20 minutes and i'll be like i didn't even remember i said that so no but they're great they're really wonderful so for those that might not have no idea who the heck you are. Why does mm-hmm. Jay have this guy on his <laughs> on his on his show here? Um, yeah. Just a just a little brief introduction of yourself. 
and, right. and what what do you do on on the youtubes man what do, what you... do you on the internet on the internet yeah. <laughs> uh, so my name is joe nearman i'm a new york litigator turned youtube podcaster i try to practice law as little as possible i i host a nightly show on a channel called good logic as you see in the name I, I gave that show a name, which during the week, it's called The Following Program. And on the weekends where I do more about psychoanalysis, I, I call that uh, viewer's discretion. And basically, I am a, I'm a, I'm a religious Jew who happens to believe very, very strongly in the foundational values of our country, which I feel are, be, are, are under relentless, insidious attacks from the left. And I am very vocal in calling that out. And along the way, I cover trials here and there and things, and things that relate to law or politics or really understanding society, culture, and, our, and ourselves. Because I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick, what makes people motivated to do, to, to do this rather than do that, to phrase things a certain way, to look within ourselves. Because I think, I think that's, to me, one of the most, that's the best way that we can actually understand ourselves and grow into becoming a, a better version of ourselves and to to just continue to evolve into and that's that's the ultimate form of contentment and happiness so man what did you practice that that's awesome no, that was, <laughs> it changes every time like dramatically <laughs> I, could have, I literally could have just like spent like 20 i could have spent like five minutes talking about the yankees and it would have been like it i never know how what's going to come out so yeah i didn't want to bring up the yankees because you know being a <laughs> Being a Marlins fan, you know, oh, we, had a little, we had a little run on the Yankees just some time ago, oh. back when baseball was fun. Yes. You know, <laughs> back when, uh, back when baseball was fun. But uh, when did, when did you start your YouTube and why did you pick YouTube? When did you, and when did you start this channel? Because it's like, it seems like you had to get something off your chest and yeah, it was well, like, so, so what happened was I was on social media under aliases because I'm, 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 I'm old school and I come, I'm, I'm 52 years old. I was here when the internet, I was here when the internet was just a baby. And at that time, when, when someone would join anything, you were, we were, we were taught it's instinctive that you don't use your real name. You don't use, no one should know who you are, anything about you. Cause there are a bunch of psychos out there in the world. So when I first joined Facebook, I created an alias and put up some some photo and basically and I would interact on political issues and I would get into these long fights about like third wave feminism or uh, <laughs> seriously, it's like seriously. And like how uh, I, I wrote I wrote this like lengthy thing once about like how third wave feminism is like is basically it's eating up women. It's self-destructive. It is harming women, and it is, and that is basically a movement that just didn't. That was really successful, really great at what they did. And once they achieved their goals, it's like now what? We don't want to fold your tent and, and well, now we gotta just find new, find new dragons to slay. So once they women got equality, which was a very necessary and important thing, they were treated as second-class citizens throughout most of American history. There was, a, there was an importance and a benefit to it. But you know what? By the time the 70s wrapped up, they were, they were pretty good. They, were, they, were, they, they did. But you don't, no one wraps up if you have such a success. Why would, who closes down a great enterprise like that? And now 
And then they reach a point where they're eating their own. I think it's ironic that with the whole trans thing rising up, that there actually is a little bit of a need for women to fight back against trans. Like the and watching that fight over women's sports to me is hilarious. But um, yeah, so I would so that's what I was doing. I was basically I was I was LARPing as like some other person because I just didn't want anyone to know who I was. And then lockdowns came. And I was like, you know what? It's time for me to come out of my shell. And that's the first time I joined Twitter. And and when I came to Twitter, it's so impossible. When you first start out, no one knows anything about you. And I came out as my, uh, that's where I came out as Joe Nierman, you know, like basically. And one of the first people to follow me when I think I had fewer than 100 followers was you. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't know. And this, I think it's before I even had a YouTube channel. And I started, then I started producing some content on YouTube. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, 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 I was inspired by Viva Fry, who I thought, you know, I was like, I could do it. I could do that. I, I could do that just as, just as well as what he's doing. Talk from my car and just basically update people about the law and the news. I was like, I could totally do that. It seems like, it seems like something I always want to do. I always would like enjoy doing, but didn't know if I could actually make, you know, money doing it. But that, you know, I was like, but people started liking my content. I came across Nick Ricada. He saw me ranting about a case which was um which was uh texas versus pennsylvania that where they were trying to invalidate pen um when the Texas was trying to invalidate pennsylvania's electoral votes and the supreme court rejected the application which i thought was such a miscarriage of an injustice of law and such a direct violation of what their duties on the constitution are that i ranted and i went nuts like but i but not Your it's rants not are I, pretty epic man yeah <laughs> and if people aren't used to them you might scare some people yes. so i yes. was like if if you if you let one if he lets one f- fly everyone you'll just see me like this and it'll be okay it'll be yeah okay. but everyone yeah everyone everyone like moves back into the hedges but they're never they're never just like screaming for the sake of screaming like no. i'll go off and i'll be like and i'll have like three or four or seven points that i'll just be like here's why this is so screwed up and i'll just like rattle off one at a time and after another and people seem to really yeah, they, i they mean seem to you're really from you're from new i'll just sit back and i'll hit this clip oh this is where it gets juicy guys <laughs> and we're all set man and like we'll, we'll let it rip um before we continue let me let me knock out some of these things and yes um you're gonna you're gonna be introduced to the drunk 3po channel way of doing things nice and uh you might be like what the freak kind of show am i on right now i mean sierra tango became a youtube member of the channel thank you so much and every time we get a chat like i'm just warning you now this is just this is a staple of this channel so every time we get gifted subs you're gonna be introduced you might not even know who this character is but uh we do roast Tico. And people are like, he's never coming back. No, no, no. Um, I was doing my Les Grossman imitation. Brian, <laughs> Brian for $2 says Jay couldn't grip his way on the FNT. Hey, man, I've been on that show a few times. <laughs> I fell asleep, but I was there. Joseph for five says a few shekels for having good logic on. Beware of his rants. Mm. Oh, I, I'm I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware uh, of of the rants, and you might you might hear one. And again, I'll just be sitting there. I'll just let it fly, mm-hmm. you know. And this is funny here because Don says says drunk three PO Jay. If you lose Joe during the stream, it's because his connection <laughs> with his AOL dial up modem is crapping out on him. Now, what I forgot to say uh, to Joe is that if if I die during the stream, if mm-hmm. my internet cuts out because over. 
Yeah, just take it over. I promise I'll be back. All right, yeah. because it ha- every time a plane flies over this house, mm-hmm. it just shuts off. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. and uh, but you're a professional. You know how yeah. to do this, and we've got the gatekeepers. Um, I I always say Dynamo because it's a joke, but uh, you also become a member, and you gifted five members to the channel. Is that supposed to encourage people to do that more? Yeah. Is that really? Is that the game? Is that your thought, Jay? Is it? It's like, oh, this will get people to do that way, way more. They All freaking right. love it. You should see the chat. It's just filled with little Rose Tico memes. Valiant yeah. Renegade for 20 says, cheers to Drunk 3PO and to this Joe guy. I owe you a show still, bro. Valiant Renegade had a massive live stream today. It was awesome. Talking about Disney Disney drama stuff going on. I'm a huge freaking awesome. That voice, that voice he has. Oh, my God. I know. I don't want to hear it. He makes me mad that he's so much better than me in every way. So it's like he can just. <laughs> He can just keep giving me money and we'll just call it that. Steel Uh, Leg of History says, be blessed you both. You have blessed souls, Jay and Joe. Thank you, my friend. And I think, oh my gosh, you guys just, you guys won't even let us talk here. GJJ has also, see how it works, gifted five members to the channel. gonna be like he's never coming back <laughs> it, it, it became a joke because in uh star wars the roast Tico was like the worst one of the worst characters and i was like i'm gonna bring her back i'm gonna make her relevant and it just became a thing <laughs> and off we go and everyone's throwing it everyone's in the chat all right we're all caught up again if we if we get a little was run that the asian glasses lady roast Tico? <laughs> no who was the uh, Asian glasses lady? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Don't tell, don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. You that's know exactly her. what I'm talking about. It's like let's 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 make this a whole racist thing. Oh, Joe's gonna rant about. on me. It's gonna yeah. be glorious. I'm not gonna rant on you. Don't, <laughs> I don't mind. I don't don't, mind. don't 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 play it that way. You all know what I was saying. Oh, no, she was an Asian character in the Star Wars that they that they that they just totally snubbed out in the last in the last film and we thought it was funny because because before the last film they were like making statements like this is the most important moment for asian people to have this person in star wars representation and the last film she had 17 seconds of screen time so i was just like i'm gonna make it relevant more than star wars and disney and all that stuff so it was like yeah, uh, it became what, a thing. What is that whole thing about like representation? Do you do you even understand what that's supposed to do? Like, I never. This is something that really bothers me. Like the whole, I not just the that we see this all the time. We have to have a woman president. You need to have more representation of trans, of gays, Latinos, of of short people, of the of the redheads. Like everyone needs their representation, as if anyone who is similarly situated somehow feels happy that some that there's a black ariel like now that we have a black ariel like all of a sudden now that's like like now little black girls are able to sleep at night before they weren't able to sleep at night before they were all bothered and now but now they can be really happy now that we took ariel and basically made her black like i don't understand 
who it's supposed to be making feel good or or if that's really a healthy mindset that you want a little black girl to have that until you get your representation you're nothing that to me that it makes that statement louder than anything else it's the most self-defeating perspective in the world there's no jews in star wars other than i guess that flying bug thing which was like the most anti-semitic thing you guys were in space balls yeah okay um, i don't care i'm not advocating <laughs> for it. why would anyone care like oh like oh my gosh oh my gosh like like why would anyone it's just to me it's the stupidest thing in the it's world. because as you talk about a lot of stuff politically uh on your channel and through the court systems we talk a lot about how the activists have infiltrated pop culture media and have and just like you said earlier this is their new dragon to slay mm. obviously they sat back and they looked and they were like, well, there must be a dragon to slay here. We're an activist. We got to activate something. So let's just make something up. You know, there's no they representation. Their, there's no this. Rings, they get their power rings and stuff. Yeah. Activating. I never it, thought it, of activist activating, but that's a great way of phrasing it. It's, it's crazy, man. And it's just like they've infiltrated. And and I, I you, you mentioned earlier on, it, it's like um, people ask, like, how did we get to this place? And, and and correct me if I'm wrong, all right? Since you have more knowledge than I do, correct me if I'm wrong. So I'm I'm going back to the uh, the hippie movement. A lot of those hippies. How old do you think I am? No, 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 no. I'm just you like said you, like... you you said your age already. No, no, no. I'm saying like I'm I'm going through a timeline, not your timeline. I'm going through a timeline. No, you were definitely going through my timeline, Jay. That so was it totally, was you. You're like you remember when the flappers were there, like, <laughs> and then and then the recession hit. Yeah, were you were you there for the Great then, Depression? When, when, um, so why didn't you speak out when Hitler rose to power? Yeah, and, I know. Uh, What's wrong with you? Oh, uh, you said the H word on YouTube. Shame on you. Uh, I denounce everything Joe said on my channel, Mister YouTube. Don't I? <laughs> no, so like the so you had we had the hippie movement in the seventies or sixties and seventies, and then a lot of them became uh, teachers in college. Yeah, and then a lot of those college professors began to pour their their craziness onto a lot of the younger people that were in their classrooms. Then you have these progressive people that joined politics because you see people like Obama and Hillary, and they were talking about the, the guy that uh, wrote rules for radicals and Salinsky, like who was like, they were like, Oh, he's our role model. He's our, this, he's our, that. And you're like, if you really understand like the rules for radicals and people go through a book like that, it's like, this is how these, activists behave literally yes. they follow that book to a t mm -hmm. and and it doesn't there's no logic to it it's just being loud and criticizing and trying to divert your thinking into making sure that your character still you know well and good and all that stuff mm -hmm. so now we have um the college professors indoctrinated the younger people now the younger people are becoming they, they've all gotten jobs into entertainment and in education so we see a lot of these that's why we see a lot of these crazy people in schools. And because of that weirdness, they're using TikTok as a platform to say, hey, look at me. Look what I did to my classroom today. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the things virtue like that. signaling how, how what wonderful people they are. Exactly. It's like they, they need that affirmation of who they are and what exactly what craziness that they're doing. But I, I think it's like this down triple trickle effect. And it's just from these from college and then it, and now we're now we're all into this entertainment and education and political weird space it's such of, a weird thing though because if you think about it all the ideologies of the 60s 
they've they've literally done a 180 on and rejected. Like if you look at like um like with the whole thing with um integrating blacks into white culture is now basically that itself is considered racist. They need to have their own space. Like they're literally going back to Plessy v. Ferguson. Everything that the the radicals of the 60s were fighting for, they're literally turning on its head and and taking like practically the opposite position of and I agree with you that they have graduated and now the the the, the tenured professors you know, but like Rob Reiner, I think he's such a joke. He's such a joke because everything he was fighting for, you know, when I was a little kid, he's he's basically arguing against right now because he's so committed, I guess, to being an activist, activating. And I guess your explanation makes sense. I don't really love it, but it's like better than anything I can come up with. So I'm going <laughs> to defer to Well, you. now we're here. And there's a reason why uh, people like you and others are so popular and you know, congratulations! You're almost at a hundred thousand subs. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank Does you. Does that even matter to you, or it's like, no, it's kind of cool. Oh, I'm gonna totally play it off like it does not matter at all, even though it's like something <laughs> I think about every day. But no, it's nothing. It's it's not like I'm I'm. <laughs> the reason it matters is I think that there's a magic about a hundred thousand subs where a i think you start getting sponsorships because i i literally never got i've never been offered a sponsorship from anybody which is astonishing to me that that i've never been offered a single sponsorship and sponsorships are a big deal because it gives you like a steady amount of income when i'm when i do a stream i have literally no idea if i will make from that stream i'm gonna sit there i'm investing two two and a half hours and i don't know if i'm gonna make from that stream ten dollars or a thousand dollars and if you have a sponsor you know, you sort of like, like, you know, when you're going out there, okay, you know, I'm going to have this fee that automatically kicks in there. And that, to me, that's, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And also I feel like when you get to a hundred thousand, like it's hard for anyone to just dismiss your channel as being, as being something to, you know, as, as just another run of the mill channel. Like, I think that there is something to that. So for me personally, I don't like, there's no, there's no difference between 99, 99 and, and a hundred. But I, but for the trimmings that come with it, I think that that's that's definitely beneficial. And YouTube is determined to keep me from from reaching that from reaching that. I button. say the same thing. Stuck on seventy, determined. YouTube I, is determined to keep a good man down. I will lose forty subs a day, like literally. And it cannot be. It just is not. They've literally unsubbed them for me. I've thought through. Is there any way that possible that such a thing could happen? It's not possible. Because that you would have another 30 people randomly out of the blue every day to just basically decide on no, it's a it's a no it's not it, it's it, they they do something um unless you're gaining like thousands a day you won't see the subtraction that goes on i get people every all the time in my comment section just like dude i've been so unsubscribed to your channel man what's yeah. going on here yeah. and it's just like i i don't know um that's Even why we're, with, on, we're on rumble now we got 30 people over on rumble it's pretty awesome and uh 250 people here it's it's pretty sweet. awesome and uh but you know we just keep we just keep uh chugging along but you want to know something about sponsorships What's i've been that? getting sponsorships uh i've been getting sponsors people that want to sponsor since i had 50k and I just like i haven't taken i think i took one and then i it just wasn't my thing and um yeah i don't know man like i get nervous like i get nervous i mean nine line apparel is a big part of this podcast and uh -huh. 
you know, they, they make custom. I say kudos to you. God bless. So, yeah. And it's, uh, so like they're, they're, they're pretty big. And um, for me, I've always been like, I've always been the guy that's like, you know, the people will take care of me and we'll go from there. So so fingers crossed, but they, they buy my shirts and everything is cool. So it's all (laughs) my friend, Brian over there. Well, the one thing thing I'm proudest of is I actually get, I, my, my chat, my followers are stupidly dedicated to me. Like they're ridiculously dedicated. If you look at my super chat numbers, they're, they're bizarre. And what I earn from my channel, I, I mean, like, you know, they're, they're, un, it's, un, it's, it's, they're unusually high. Like I don't, there are very few people. I think there are fewer than 10 people on the planet who make more from their channel on a per sub basis than, than I do. And and I'm and to, to me that's a reflection of my fans actually just deeply caring about the content and and wanting to interact and, and engage in that sort of level, and and I actually that's probably my biggest achievement with my channel is that you know people feel um, sufficiently vested like I awaken their mind into like thinking about things and they want to interact and get my feedback and be part of the conversation. So the, it, I, I made a joke earlier about being a dysfunctional family, but it's like. There's actually real care there, which um, ends ends up manifesting tangibly. So I think it's, I think we live in a day and age. And then I want to ask you about some of these celebrity, <laughs> like Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. or like that. Yeah. But I think we live in a day and age where people they're just fed up with. Uh, listen, like they're fed up with Fox News and CNN. They're fed. They're fed up with yeah. they, people being fake. And I know in our space here. Uh, we constantly exposed like uh, the the fake stuff going on in pop culture, like people faking movie reviews, people faking resort reviews, theme park yeah. reviews, just because. And it's like people are tired of it, and they're like, "Hey, we got money, we want to give it to someone. Be authentic, tell us how you feel, be yeah. honest, and yeah. that's what we want." Because we're so tired of this manufactured bullcrap that's out there. That's just that they're trying to pump, saying just consume and smile, consume and smile, and then. You know, you get someone like yourself that go against that kind of grain. Then you get pushback from people that are like, you know, that, that that don't think for themselves, you know, that are just like, well, they're telling me how to think. So you're a bad guy. And that's just that's just how it has to be. So it, it's just that it's a crazy time to be in. But we need more people like yourself and others in the chat that are even thinking about, you yeah. know, speaking out on stuff like that. And real quick. Let me uh let me catch up on some of these super chats as we go. It says uh, Joseph for five. It says you have to have representation from different groups because we're all different. I guess just don't look at me different or something. That's the thing about that. This this is what's so bothersome. It's it's so what the what they're actually admitting is that they look at a demographic as just people in a box. You are just if you're a black kid, your blackness is all you are. And that's why if you see a black kid, that's going to be so impactful for you as opposed to you, you, you can't relate to anyone who's black. You can only, if you're an Asian kid, you can only relate to an Asian kid. It's this, it's so, it's so divisive. The, the concept behind it is, is some, is a mindset of someone who's determined to divide and basically say, if you're a trans person, you're not like anyone else. You are a trans person and that is who you are. That's all you're ever going to be. And you're a girl. You can only relate to girls. It's the stupidest thing in the world. And it's so, it's designed to fracture us. It's the powers that be who yeah. are looking to basically make us 
uh, to isolate us from any other group that's not part of my demographic. It's it's so destructive. It's you you can't if you if people don't come together, they're easier to control. I mean that's yes. just that's yeah. the bottom line. Casey drops a twenty, says nothing, and just walks away. And uh, Spirian with a five dollar super sticker. Thank you, Spirian. And we got listen. You're gonna love this guy. You're gonna love this name. He's awesome, Mister Buttcrack Media. Just comes in and drops not one, not five. Oh, here it comes. But ten. Give me Rose. Give me Rose. Ten. Wow, that's a total of twenty gifted subs. She looks uh, less just Asian than I do. Look what you do. I should have John more often. Thank you. <laughs> I told you. My man, the gatekeepers for five. It says good logic. What's your take on Japan buying Russian oil and the BRICS union? Do you have an opinion on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Other than the fact that I do think that that uh, the Eastern Hemisphere is looking to basically change us out of the petro- out of the American uh, out of dollars uh, out of the petrodollar. And if that happens, if that happens, if, if in other words, the reason America retains its financial standing in the world, no matter even when we lost our levels and in, in as far as our credit rating, is because of the petrodollar. And if that changes, which there's all indications that that's what China is looking to do, and you know, I am I am so angry about this war with Ukraine. I can't even tell you. This was such a golden opportunity if we had a competent leader. If Donald Trump was there, well, first of all, Putin wouldn't have gone into to Ukraine if he was there. Everyone, I think anyone who thinks it through recognizes that Putin was somewhat cowed by Donald. But even if he would have gone in there, this would have been such a phenomenal opportunity to take the relationship, the historic clash between USSR and USA, which is which goes back to that's to basically 1945 from the from the day that we basically from the, from the day that the, the the world war ii ended we've been we're in a cold war and then we're like a little bit more dicier war and then we had our glass nose period and then it's just like constant friction this was an opportunity for trump to for sorry trump for biden or whoever was running the united states to basically come in there stop worrying so much about zelensky zelensky and basically say to say you say to zelensky look your country happens to be Fortunately situated in a way where the eastern part of your country has a lot of Russians. Why don't we section off that part of it? We'll con- we'll we'll consolidate your power because all the people voting elections will be ninety eight percent Ukrainian. Draw your line about along the Donbas region. Work a settlement with them and start developing, and then come to terms with Putin because the whole fight is about about the pipeline, natural gas pipeline. We come to terms with them where you split the money and now turn him into someone who's sort of he's not he's never going to be an ally, but basically establish a healthy economic relationship with them as the start as the peace broker to, to, to decide Ukraine, put that to bed, no war. And then you basically create an economic relationship with Putin. It's like, OK, you'll get your taste from the from the from the um, the from the gas line uh, proceeds and yeah. we'll get our taste and and we're not gonna be fighting we're not gonna be blowing each other's things up and we're not gonna blow up each other's pipelines imagine and and now have him as an ally against china and president g instead we chased him 
to President Xi, where now they have their whole thing, their whole friendship blossoming there. And if the petrodollar ends up being converted to Petro One or whatever it is, oh my God, we are going to face such financial catastrophe in the in the likes that that no one has seen in a hundred years. I I I um, I'm people aren't paying attention to China making peace in the Middle East and wanting the U.S. dollar out. And the mm-hmm. Chinese dollar, and now they've they've all they, people don't realize either that they're they're trying to make a deal with Brazil, um, kind of for the same thing. So just keep it. I know we talk a lot of movies here, but keep your eye on the rest of the world. Just like Alec Baldwin's finger, he never misses, man. Never misses <laughs> twenty dollars. Such a great name, isn't it? Awesome people get yeah. freaking awesome. Uh, he doesn't. He don't miss Alec Baldwin's finger, $20 and just walks out of the building. Just like, here you go. Here you go. (laughs) Just like, just like that. So you are one of the few lawyers to cover Gwyneth Paltrow's (laughs) craziness that happened. So, all right. I actually didn't even know the case was what it was about until your live streams. So I was just like, wait, what is she doing it's just like another Johnny Depp thing. It's like a no. skiing accident. What the heck? She no. actually. So, so, so correct me if I'm wrong here. Let's see. So apparently on a little bunny slope, she mm-hmm. ran in or somebody ran into her. Well, that was what they were disputing. The guy it? got injuries and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, look, a celebrity. Let me uh, make some money off this. Some people speculate that. Yeah. 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 All right. This is all. This is just what I'm reading from TMZ. Okay. So then it's. uh <laughs> So then she countersues for a dollar. Yes. And she wins. She wins on the countersuit. She whispers something in the dude's ear as she walks out. Uh, they said that she whispered like, you know, be uh, peace unto you or something like that. Something like, you know, gracious. That's what they say. Rather than like being like in your face. It, it, that, that Which is what most of us probably would have said if we were in that circumstance. So, 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 all right. So, run us through this case, and like, I'd love so to the, hear your thoughts on Terry. San, Terry Sanderson is an optometrist who is a lifelong skier, and he basically he had a collision. What we know happened is there was a collision between he and Gwyneth Paltrow on the slopes. The, the and the result of that that we know happened is that he had four broken ribs. He additionally claims that he had um, that he had some sort of mental long-term mental issues from this where it impacted his personality, not his memory, what? not his cognitive functions, but that he basically became a jerk. That's basically what that he's and he's okay, so can I stop, can yeah, I stop no, please do, by all means. that's that that's all right Gwyneth Paltrow like she's famous for that movie with Jack Black where she plays the big the big fat woman oh, right? yeah, was, yeah, wasn't yeah. she in that one yeah I think so. I for, yeah I forgot uh, about that. shallow how she was shallow, in shallow how yes she yeah. but she's a hundred pound nothing yeah and now you're talking to, all right so I'm just trying I'm not taking anyone's size but I'm just saying, if we sat down to dinner, you're like, hey, you're not going to believe who's suing who. This guy says that a 100-pound woman ran into him on a ski slope, and now he has mental damage, broken ribs, everything. And you're just kind of like, right from the top, I'm like, I ain't buying it, you know? But right, it, it, the case goes on. I'll let yes. you continue. No, no. So, there's, <laughs> so now the dispute 
there's dispute about whether he has any mental injuries or whether his his issues are basically he became an old man because he became an old man and that's what happens with age but the um the dispute is who collided into who and there was the first witness testify was a guy named craig uh uh roma uh why am i why am i having a problem with this craig roman or something to that effect anyway um uh, no, Ramon. That was it. It was I kept thinking of the Ramones when he was up there. Yeah, Craig Ramon. So he claimed that he saw Gwyneth crash into Terry from behind. And the problem that they had is that they established that he was basically friends with Terry. The the story that and they what they did was an interesting thing. When you are in a civil case, you can call the defendant as a witness. And they called Gwyneth to the stand before Terry even told his side of the story. And they asked her to tell her, her side of the story. And when she's up on the stand, so first and foremost, I, every time you heard one of these lawyers talk, you hated, you hate, you wanted the other side to win because they were, each of them were so annoying, both plaintiff and defendant. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Terrible, terrible. This woman, this female attorney who was the, doing the, the, the direct examination of, of Gwyneth, like she seemed like she was fangirling the entire time. She's like commenting her on her shoes. She's like, I wish I was as tall as you. It was just like, the, and she's like all bubbly and smiles. I'm like, you're supposed to be shredding her story apart. And worse than that, worse than that is, you know, so Gwyneth is telling her story over and she says he crashed into me from behind. And she starts describing that I'm, she's skiing along there. And all of a sudden she notices two skis come between her skis. And then she feels a man behind her. And... And how does she know it's a man? Well, I heard him grunting. And he's basically, she's describing how he's grinding into her back and I guess backside and grunting. Like she's practically, I was laughing when I was watching her testimony. She's practically describing a Me Too moment on the slopes, right? <laughs> and and that at first she thought it was a prank. And like, she's like, well, this is gross. What the heck is happening here? And then they end up tumbling over and she was screaming and cursing at him and yelling at him saying, what's wrong with you that you crashed into me? And then her ski instructors, because she was there with her family and a whole bunch of ski instructors and one of the ski instructors started yelling at him and that he actually apologized and said, I'm sorry. So when she's on the stand and she starts describing how the incident goes down. So the lawyer says, hey, you know, do you mind coming, stepping down from the stand so we can reenact this for the jury? And like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, yes, yes, you definitely mind that. I want, I mean, every, I think, I think, <laughs> imagine the cameras popping off as you basically see these two women reenacting. Yeah. I mean, I guess they don't pop off anymore. How many people would basically, that would just become an instant meme. This is like a meme waiting to happen. I mean, come on, here's Gwyneth Paltrow basically. It would be everywhere forever. Everywhere, forever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, but I, uh, I'm thinking as as an attorney, that my attorney, if if I saw my client being asked and saying, "Do you mind?" I would just basically put my hands up, like, "Oh no, no!" Like you know. But then I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I think that perhaps it probably would would help. Like, I don't know how that's helping Terry Sanderson's case because then then she's like, "Actually, my client's here." <laughs> so you know, Gwen didn't want to do it. Can my client do it with me? And and 
everyone's looking at her like, what's wrong with you? And that would have been the stupidest thing in the world. You imagine, yeah. you imagine that the jury is going to watch the plaintiff grinding up against his female attorney there. Like this was just the dumbest thing in the world. Anyway, bottom line is <laughs> there were, there were issues with her story. When I was watching her testify, I thought there were issues with her story. It didn't really, didn't really make sense. And everyone's, everyone's saying how like she, she, she skied off into the sunset and let her, let her instructor handle it to try and paint her. Like she's a bad person. Frankly, I can understand if you're Gwyneth Paltrow, you probably don't want this to be all over the news and all over TMZ and stuff like that. And your goal is let me get my face away from here as fast as possible before people start pulling out cameras. I could totally understand that, even though it does make her look like the classic spoiled Gwyneth yeah. that everyone thinks she is. You know, like it, she has that image, right? You you and you know her her public reputation. I think a lot of people they hate on her for the goop thing and yeah. the candles. Yeah. <laughs> the vagina smelling candle. Right? Doesn't she smell candles? I, that's like, I, does it smell like her vagina. I, I explode. Yeah, I, I like. What is the marketing thought behind? Like, that's a smell. <laughs> that's a smell that every house needs to have. Is, I guess. Anyway, so, but when Terry told his side of the story, I gotta tell you, I saw holes in the way he was describing it. You know, I saw problems with the way he was telling his story, and he tells it over that she crashed into him, into him from behind. And, you know, and then he basically says how he admitted he admitted that he said he apologized after the collision. And he said he did that because they were screaming at him and he was terrifying. He was just trying to placate them. So we just like mouthed it. But like he also says that he's still face down in the snow. Like when he's telling the whole chronology of events, it's like if he's face down in the snow, how did he say I'm sorry with four broken ribs? The whole thing just there were just problems. And the burden of proof is on the plaintiff. So. And I and you have to show at least by preponderance of evidence, which means more than fifty percent at the very least. You have to yeah. show. And I was like, I'm at best fifty fifty, and you know that. It, and if anything, more leaning towards Gwen telling the truth. I didn't like some of the things that the judge allowed to come in, like there was CGI that was created. Really, that, there was CGI of them skiing on the slopes, which show him way behind her, and whatever. But this is just like some cartoon. So that. that defense counsel paid i don't know hollywood people to produce and that's the visual that you're giving the jury so of course they're going to think that's the way it happened rather than terry's story so i didn't think that was really fair it was it was was admitted as a demonstrative aid which means it's not evidence but just to help you picture what this witness the the (coughs) ski instructor is describing we're going to let the jury watch this too but when they go back into deliberation i mean you tell me if you're, if I ask you to visualize the Red Sea crossing, yeah, you're gonna picture the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. You know it's yeah. fake. You know it's CGI. Yeah. Does that mean it's it was... really cool? Yeah, Charleston Heston, man. Like, yeah, that's, it, that's what you're gonna. That's what you're gonna picture, <laughs> right? Because that's the only. Because you've heard you've heard the story before, but like the, what you're gonna picture is the visual that was provided for you. So if that was a demonstrative aid, and I ask you, you know, what color robes was Moses wearing? You'd be like red. It's like, it's like, why do you come up with red? Well, that's what he was wearing the Ten Commandments. But like, you know, he might have never, he probably never owned red robes. But like, that's what you picture. Because when you see it, and you have nothing to refute that, that's, that's very, very, we're we're visual creatures. Yeah. So, so I thought it was very unfair that that she was able to have that be used as a demonstrative aid. But at the end of the day, I I still think justice prevailed. And the key to the, the dollar, why she want to win $1 
because by winning one dollar, she now has the right to go after him for all of her legal fees to recover that one dollar. Oh, that's the key. So now she can sue him for the hundreds of thousands of dollars that she must have spent in, on the defense counsel to say, I had to go after you for this dollar. And in order to get the, and now I want to get my legal fees for that. And that was the key. So do so you think that's so, going to happen? Oh, yeah. That's why Terry Sanderson is now saying, like, I'm so she might not want the media attention. It might not be yeah. worth it to her, the, the few hundred thousand dollars like like to her, to you or me. I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm coming after that. Yeah, but, yeah. It's, can we start today? Yeah, yeah. But to her, it might just be too much of a media frenzy for too little of a return in something noted that will be noticeable in her bank account. So those they live in a different world, you yeah. know, like uh celebrities, they live trust I mean, I don't know. I know some of them and they they just live in a different world where Hey, I don't, it's just different, man. I I, I don't know. It, it's like they, they could, we could be sitting down to dinner, and people just show up with like watches and necklaces and food and mm-hmm. like, you know, like going out to dinner a few times with a few of them, and like the uh, the manager of the restaurant shows up with like, we've been saving this thirty year bottle of wine. We're gonna give it to you, you know, just yeah, just because you know. And, and it's like they end up living this whole life of. Yeah, I don't know if it's called privilege or it's just it's just who they are. Well, I mean, if you, you think, and, it, and it's not really, it, it's easy to begrudge them because envy is going to drive us toward that. Yeah, but it is it is astonishing when you think about like if I talk to you about the idea like I said, would you ever like to drive a Hummer? Right? Like, would you like to drive a, a, a? You know, you'd be like, yeah, that'd be really cool to like you know drive that around for a day. So I was once on on Nick Ricardo's show. I think it was when I was covering the Maxwell trial. He was busy covering the the Kim Potter trial at the same time, so we were both doing our our thing. And he had brought me on to the Kim Potter Kim Potter thing to to discuss this. And that day, there had been a report or something to that effect about I think Elon had basically bought like a Hummer and returned it like the next day <laughs> and drove it around for like a day. I don't remember if it was Elon. It might have been some other like ridiculously affluent person. And that the basically by driving it off the lot, it ended up costing him like 70 grand to return it the next day. But he basically Casual. Yeah. And he, and and Nick pointed this out, which is so which is so so accurate to him, to Elon Musk, the seventy thousand dollars he drops to to basically rent a Hummer for a day is like less than this cost me. Yeah. As far as like what it's impacting. It's like a his... disposable pen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's literally well vape over here but i'm saying is the ten dollars i spent on this vape is more noticeable in my bank account than the seventy five thousand dollars in his account and when you have that kind of how can anyone have a real value of money you know or appreciation for it after a certain point speaking of money let's see (laughs) diaspi for ten dollars says jay you got the wrong logic on you were supposed to get great logic ah you would have an absolutely amazing conversation with him Thank you, man, for the ten dollars. No, great and, logic. Great logic is my dad. And the <laughs> I've had I've had, I've had him on my show a few times, and the chat calls him great logic. So, yeah. Well, maybe next time. All right. Thank you yeah. for the ten. The <laughs> gatekeepers, Diamo. I keep saying your name wrong. I said it wrong like so many times now. I I'm just. Going I think with it's Damio. I know. I just say Dynamo. I just leave it alone. <laughs> he has gifted five gift subs to the channel. Oh, and good. I missed that song. 
<laughs> Five gift subs to the channel. I think I got all the gift subs. <laughs> you missed that song. Rose Tico. <laughs> G5. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm so picture Les Grossman. Every time I hear that, it sounds like I know, things. I know. It's so good. Les yeah. Gro- my favorite Tom Cruise character of all time. Of course. That, there's there's nothing, there's that nothing better. A, that was such a brilliant movie. That was such a brilliant they movie. They can't make it today, too. That's the worst part. But imagine how much funnier it would be today. Like, like seriously, like if you saw it for the first time today, you would just be like dying. Like you would have people like us laughing hysterically. Then you would have people like, yeah, who's and their I, careers would be canceled. Am I allowed to laugh laugh at this? You know, I mean, they went after they went after Ben Stiller uh, six months ago, the cancel culture for making that film because really? Robert Downey Jr. You know, he he plays a black man in it. Oh, not, and not ben because Stiller, not because yeah, he ben, played Simple Jack. Ben still simple Jack. Yeah, it was another one too. Ben Stiller went out and was like, I'm not changing that film. It was a great piece of work and and it's still funny today. So he finally stood up to that nonsense. You know, he was just like, Well done. No, I'm not, I'm not changing. Why how do I even edit that stuff out? You know, it's like (laughs) you want me to apologize for a movie that everybody loved? No, like we don't we don't we don't do that stuff here. Mm -hmm. So it it is cool that more and more people uh, are starting to stand up a little bit to cancel culture mentality because it's, it gets gets ridiculous after a while. Like it just well, you know, it's like, a fashion. It's a, it's a fashion. yes. They try it's to like cancel Eminem. It's like the Me Too movement. Was it's like it's it's pretty much dead. You know, it died during COVID and then was it, it got its it, it's got the final death knell with Amber Heard. No one no one talks about that anymore. I think this whole thing as far as canceling people because uh, of this idiocy, people. I think that that the society's getting tired of it like well, they're just like just stop being so judgmental all the, the time new one it. now is jonathan majors and oh, he choked his woman allegedly, allegedly. yeah allegedly. so it's uh so now disney is uh they're having a, a the last article i read on it was that disney's gonna have a meeting with him and figure out but he's like you know well, i'm gonna course, tell you this if he really choked her like if he, if he really did that and in that case, I'm like, yeah, I want that guy to face prison time. I mean, the, the dude's a lunatic. Uh, I don't want to just because I just because I'm firmly entrenched in MAGA. That doesn't mean just forget about like, oh, hey, absolutely. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, if, if he really did that and I don't care if she's like standing up for him after the fact, like he's going to dump you three months from now and choke some other woman. Like, that's not cool. So, yeah. uh, no, I agree. But I mean, he's got. I, we're we're just gonna wait and see when it all plays out, but but Disney has a reputation of it doesn't matter if you're right. guilty yep. or in it. Like right. you're Johnny guilty. Depp, you're guilty. Uh, Gina Carano was canceled by Disney. Johnny Depp was canceled Who's by Gina Disney. Carano. I never heard of her. Do you know her? Like, uh, <laughs> I I think I have a video of her. Hold Can on. I tell them? Tell them what? you're more beautiful in person than you are on the, your photos. That's her. No flex here. I just, you know, that's the only video I have. So it's uh, oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> I didn't know you had that queued up. Ready to go. Good job. Oh, you kidding me? That's, 
<laughs> when I Actually, die, they're gonna play that at my funeral and be like, "This is the highlight of his life, right?" They're here. gonna have a very expensive on, on your headstone. There's gonna be like one of these very expensive things, which has a video of that on loop the entire. Time. It'll be that one, and it'll be this. One. What's going on, everybody? Um, here at Van uh, Expo. And, oh my God, it's Johnny. Good one too. I'm a big fan of his. Bill Zapka. He's he's good. He's a good guy. Yeah. No. I I I mean, I'm a huge. I'm a, I'm a closet watcher of Cobra Kai, so. Oh, uh, he's he's fan dude. He, I just say this. He's mm. pretty based. That's all I can. I you know I would yeah, never want to. You don't want to get canceled. No, no, but he's pretty. He's pretty based. Hanging out with him all last year at these cons and like you know going out to dinner with him and stuff. I was like, hearing oh, have him you talk. Had him on the show? Uh, I don't think he'll do this show, but. But too, I mean, he he did record that clip for me because like I I dressed up in a onesie and he was just like Jay, you look freaking stupid. And I'm like, hey, you want to <laughs> do something cool? Like I'll put it on my YouTube channel. And he's like, oh, YouTube. Like <laughs> the the Hollywood just like they they look at YouTubers like all of them like it's a you know anyone can have it. Basically, it's like uh, anyone can be a movie critic now, and anyone can can do whatever so it's like you know they're like uh youtube so it's his right it's okay and i I get that i get that if you're coming from where he's coming from that's hollywood right so it's just like that's just it's so it's funny to hear him talk like that so anyone anyone who is in hollywood basically before let's say i don't know 2005 or so so they busted their tail to get the recognition and to get the job that they got so if someone comes up through YouTube, they don't have to have the same sort of knocks that they had as far as going to auditions and going through all this stuff to get that recognition. So I can understand there's a sort of resentment that someone could be as well known as perhaps they are, if not better known than they are, without having to put in that sort of at that time and effort in a way that they did, that there's sort of a resentment toward it. But that is this is definitely the way of the future. People are sick uh, of yeah. Hollywood. Well, so. I mean, it, the the cool thing is, and this is like the whole, this whole podcast, you know, it, it just started because it was like, there's so many people out here out in the world that have, have a passion and have like a desire and have something, whether it's write a book, whether it's create short films, whether it's, you know, to start a channel and get what's all, off their chest or whatever mm-hmm. it is, yep. like there's no excuse anymore, right? The only excuses in your head is the fear in your head. And there's no, you, you can't say you're too old, you're too young, you're too this, you're not educated enough, you're this. You you can do it if you want it. it the, the tools are all here. And now is the perfect time because movies are terrible. News media is like no one believes them anymore. None of that stuff. And and everyone is looking for for authentic, you know, just to yeah. be authentic. And now like people are. To be are real t- though, it's authentic with a little bit of personality too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I mean, people are making movies with their cell phone that are like awesome, really, and putting it on YouTube. And you're just like, and they're like, "Yeah, we shot all this with our iPhone 14." And you're just like, "This is incredible work." Yeah, you know, like what they've done, like what you know, and and they put these little short films up, and uh, you know, they're making tons of money doing it. So it's like we don't need we don't need Hollywood. We don't need a contract. We don't need a book signing. We, like, like I know you probably don't know this, but I just released my first um, book, my, my first graphic novel. 
and it's where can on i Indie- buy it where can i buy it do you have a it, link where i can buy it it's on indiegogo yeah i'll i'll send you one and um dude i'm I, setting up your grift <laughs> i didn't even know i didn't even talk i usually i talk about it on my personal live streams but it it um i only expected like to do ten thousand right ten thousand dollars but mm-hmm. people like they're not it's like we're almost at 75k Nice. You know, so there it is there. And and just making it for all aids for like young people, because you've seen like all the crap that they're pushing on kids and all this stuff like that. And we are my mods could drop the link in the in the chat if you don't mind. But it's uh people are if, if I can do this, anyone should be able to to do this. So that that's you know, that's the big thing. Yeah, get I think, out there and do it. Yeah, people don't appreciate how much fear like uh, inhibits them. Insecurity and fear inhibits us so much more than any other actual thing that's holding us back. Like the the fear of failure, the fear, the fear of being embarrassed, all that other stuff. It, and and it's and uh, it's so critical to to just punch right past that and say, you yeah. know what, I'm probably gonna suck at this, and that's okay. That's it's all right. Okay. It's really okay. I mean, I, I'm, and it's a running joke that I'm a boomer and like, well, you know, I'll be like sharing, a, I'll be watching a video with my audience that only I see it and none of them see it or the sound's not working or whatever. And it's like, all right, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you don't, you don't break down and cry. It's like, oh man, you just keep going. Yeah, have you seen like my live stream? This is one of the best run live streams I've ever had. <laughs> so just FYI, like I'm, I do that crap all the time. Once I might start, I thought I was live. I'm going for like 30 minutes and I wasn't live. And I'm like, I don't like, is there nobody here? Like, I, I st- cause you still see people in the chat, Oh God! you know, because they're waiting for you to hit the live button. And it's oh, just gosh. like, ah, that's what I did. So I remember your very minute, first, YouTube I did a seven video? minute, I did a seven minute intro where, uh, I, and I was railing. I was like, you know what? I want to start off like this whole big rant. And like, I was seven minutes into it. When Lady Logic walked in here and she's like, no, no one can hear you. <laughs> yeah. and, and the whole chat is like, so you're just like muted sound, boomer, boomer, you suck, you know. And I'm just like, that way. And it's like, and 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 then other people are like, this is the best episode of Good Logic ever. <laughs> you know, just like just watch me do that stuff. Ah, uh, that's the thing. Um, yeah, someone put all right, this was my biggest goof ever uh welcome toast so i was going through this uh this crazy hotel that disney built and they're charging six thousand dollars for people to go stay on and they introduced (laughs) this is my biggest oopsie they introduced a uh if you pay an extra thirty dollars you get like a special glass of of some kind of drink and you get a welcome toast and i went i did 20 minutes ranting of because i'm thinking toast that you put in a toaster not like cheers jay we welcome you to dinner and i'm like going i was like how do you charge so much money for a freaking piece of bread and everyone in the chat is laughing and they're like no jay toast toast and i'm like oh my god ah, yeah oh. yeah yeah, that, yeah well that yeah. makes sense yeah you guys check it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I goofed on that one, they, and till this day, like they have never, and that's okay, man. I'm good with it. Like, uh, like <laughs> they've never, like, best moment. They've never let me live that down. And I hope you never let me live that down, dear that's God. 
Uh, I tried to delete that from my lore history, YouTube, everything, but it just, <laughs> it just lives on. It just lives on. Um, a question I wanted to ask you about, you covered the uh, Alex uh, Murdoch case, right? Yeah. Did I say his last name correctly? No, nah, it really depends because they'll sometimes, he, he pronounced it himself as Murdoch. So Murdoch. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, I haven't, I have a uh, interesting question about that because the um, the Netflix special that came out. Did you see the Netflix special about him yes. or that family? Yes. Does that have an? Do you think that stuff has an impact on guilty, not guilty, or anything yeah. like that? I mean, I know they're technically not allowed to see that stuff, but how do you keep? You know, with today. How would With everyone everything... know if they did? How would all right? Anyone... So listen, all right. So I'll paint the picture and I'll let you. Fa- all right, before do I do it. this, people are all right. Let's let me let me get caught up because this this is a big one for me. Like what we're about to get into. Okay. Um, Chris Karan for two says, "Don't forget that epic chair stream." Thanks a lot for bringing that up. I <laughs> I set up my live stream and I thought I was supposed to go live in like an hour, and I hit I accidentally hit go live and I left, and so it was on my chair. <laughs> And my friend started texting me. He's like, dude, is this a joke? Like, what's going on? Like, I'm like, no, no, no. Don't start for another hour. He goes, no, man, you're live now. Have you ever been drunk on stream? And you can say, not that these people ever, uh, maybe not on my channel, but Uh actually, no, I was. I was in Vegas during a meetup and I decided I had one too many. And like the geeks and gamers were there. And I think Nick Ricade, it might have been. Anyway, everybody was there. And I'm like, what a good idea to go live on my channel. I literally went to a couple and I went to this woman and I said, see that fine woman right there? I'm going to take her home. But her boyfriend's here in front of 3000 people. I felt so bad the next day I had to go to them and I, and I apologize. <laughs> like, look, man, it, it was I just was hamming it up for the cameras. I'm so sorry. And they were like, no, man, drunk three people talked about my girl. That's awesome. <laughs> so I was like, okay, whatever. Um, Mrs. Beaver's unit for two, that and the sex bot making fun of you. Yeah, that was a rough one. Sex bots came in and were like, they put F's in the chat because they were like, this stream sucks. So it's uh, pretty bad. And man, low watermark for 100. Mm. Says, here is your toast. We all love you, Jay. Oh, mm. man. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Um. Thank you for the hundred. Little watermark. I, I he dropped some stuff on Streamlabs and he left before I could say, before I could say thank you. But my dude, man. Um. Thank you. 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 That's great. I love your little collages here. Yeah, you got to do it, man. You got to do. It. How about you didn't plug in your mic? The new set, yeah. Thanks for bringing back all my painful memories, chat. I love it. Anyway. it's great. So Alex Murdoch, <laughs> so you were asking me about that. Uh, yeah, so so here, here's me, the casual guy, non-lawyer, whatever. Netflix documentary drops. I see horrific things with the family. First episode, the girl dies in the boating accident, and it looks like they don't care. Then they uh, then they uncover some weird car crash that someone died that's supposedly related to this family. The buster. Then um, you see, you know, the the wife and the son were just brutally 
horrifically murdered on the property. Mm-hmm. And it's like the Netflix documentary doesn't really say like who did. They're just kind of like, this is just all this weird stuff that happened. Yep. Good luck figuring it out. And you, you left know? out the maid, the maid falling on the steps, can't go going to a coma and then and dying. Did that which, which well, no, I think that was in there. I know you left that out. Yeah, so I left that. Yeah. So there was your like, synopsis. Yeah. It's like five murder or five people yeah, five died. People, like yeah, five people killed around them. Do all five that stuff. And yeah. uh, again, thank you, Low Watermark, for the hundred. I really appreciate it. So I'm just like every episode, I'm going. Like, who's going to be next? You know, it's like, who are these people? Like, these are like redheaded demon people. And, and you know, then the trial happens and the verdict is read. And, you know, you go online and you actually see tons of mixed reviews. Like, this is not right. This is right. He did it. He didn't do it. This was a messed up jury. This was messed up. The judge was messed up. This didn't happen. But you... Were you there from day one? Like, did you, were you watching the? So, uh, my coverage of it, I basically fixated on the last two to three weeks of the trial. Mm. Um, I was, I was sort of in and out uncovering it. Nick Ricada was streaming the trial every day. And, you know, when Nick is streaming a trial, this is different than most people streaming a trial. He's one of, let's say, I would say three or four people who, like, when he starts streaming a trial, he's going to have, you know, within three minutes of that stream starting, he's going to have 5,000 live viewers. And that that's going to, and that's going to only increase to 25, 30,000 viewers within the, end of the first hour. And he and Emily Baker uh, can also draw that type of crowd. There are very few others who can draw that in, certainly individually. A lot of people did try to cover that trial and they got much lower results. And when you're talking to a hundred people and covering a trial, it's very depressing. I got to tell you, because you're yeah. committed, you're committed to spending eight hours a day for the next several weeks. Mm. And especially if you're used to, like for me, when I first was covering the Johnny Depp trial, the first two weeks of that felt like death. I wanted to just slip my own wrists while the trial was fun to watch. It was very depressing because at night I, when I turn on my camera, I'm used to having somewhere between, you know, five and 700 people watching me live and all I talk for eight hours a day and couldn't crack 130. Mm. And I'm just like, this is like, and, and you just feel, and I understand that for, for 99% of your viewers, if they turn on a camera and got a hundred people watching, they'd be thrilled to bits. But like, you know, when you, you're not going to be generating any revenue, which is, I mean, this is a job. This is, it's work. And especially trial coverage, it's exhausting. Your brain is constantly working to make sure everything is set up right. Everything is playing. You have to think about your commentary, watch the chat, everything that's happening there. It's stressful. And you get used to doing it for two, two to three hours at a time, eight hours. And lunch, when everyone's on a break, is the hardest part because that's where you have to be thinking through everything and walking through everything that's actually so there's no lunch break there's no bathroom break no nothing and if you and if you end up like making from that stream which a lot of law tubers who are covering it ended up making from that stream like 80 dollars for like working all day it's a very very it's it was a very very frustrating mm. thing so it's a scary thing jumping into a trial that you don't know what kind of reception you're going to have i had the i had the benefit of the fact that i i was like i don't want to cover this trial i'm just going to I'm just going to join Nick and hang out there, get my name out there, have fun hanging out with him, joking around with him, and and that's it. And when you jump as a panelist onto someone else's stream, there's no revenue sharing. 
Like yeah. whatever whatever money comes in here is going exclusively to Jade. There's no exp exp expectation on my part that I'm going to get a dime from this, nor should I. And it's a matter of like you just sort of jump on because it's 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 fun and because you're creating connections and you get your name out there to the public. So that's and that's why we do this. So so I was like, you know, I'm going to hang out with Nick and talk in front of like twenty thousand people at a time, just get my name out a little bit more. And I did that for a few days, and then he and then he had issues where he couldn't cover the trial for for day here or day there he had some 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 family thing and so i was like oh i'll step in for you when you're doing that and when i was so when i was covering the trial now was when it was like three and a half weeks in so you know i turn on my camera and the first 15 minutes i got seven thousand people watching me and i'm like holy hell so that's and what i found is the only way my channel ever grows is when i cover a trial if i cover a trial that's basically where i start seeing massive growth it, that happened after two weeks in the depth trial it happened and it happened here again with murdoch which is like basically i ended up gaining you know six seven thousand new followers at, in the in the wake of the uh murdoch trial and he uh you know as far as was the coverage was this a fair outcome was it not a fair outcome i'm not sure if that's what your question was um but i don't know I don't know what the deal is with Alex Murdoch other than the fact that he's a terrible human being. He's a <laughs> terrible human being. No, he is. He's, he's a terrible That's human being. That's pretty much what I was asking. <laughs> he's, a, he's a terrible person. And I think that there was almost no evidence that he actually killed his own wife and son. Mm. That's that's what we basically and what was frustrating as an attorney who's covering this and believes in you know founding principles and yeah. and innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And even the evidence that's being presented by the prosecution is reasonable doubt standing on its own. Like one thing of reasonable doubt after another, after another, after another. And, the, and instead of phrasing it as like when they're asking their own experts, you know, is this the way it had to have happened? They'd be like, well, it could have happened with Alex being the one doing it. That's not guilt beyond the reasonable doubt. Like none of these people seem positive that Alex did it. But what everyone is positive of is definitely true is that he's he's a dirtbag who's a thief and that he would basically look out for himself but what was also evident was that he loved his he loved his son he loved his he, he as far as we know he loved his wife and there was no motive for him to do this it's basically like we're saying because he steals from everyone and he's got a massive drug problem and he's got he's got a crazy life that's going on and all these dark secrets and every one of those secrets is narcissist narcissist i only care about myself i care about myself i care about myself well part of caring about yourself is that you want your love your loved ones around you the people who make you happy around you and yet we're saying because he's such a narcissist he ended up killing his, the people he loved that doesn't mm. really make much sense to me so yeah. And so, and there was that, and there was also a forensic evidence, which to me made me think he could not have been the one to do it. And that, and that was something that I, I felt the defense did a poor job in really fully presenting and spelling out to the jury. And the forensic evidence I'm referring to is this. His wife and son are killed at the dog kennels, which are half a mile from his house. Yeah. The wife, the, the, the uh, Paul, the son's phone is found on his body. The wife's phone was taken like a half a mile away. After she's killed, someone takes her phone and discards on the side of the road. At the moment it's discarded, six seconds later, this is forensic evidence, six seconds later, Alex starts his car. 
And he starts it half a mile from the phone. So you tell me how it is that Alex Murdoch, working alone, could have discarded that phone and snapped his fingers and six seconds later be within range of his car to turn that thing on. I don't know how that's humanly possible. I think if he threw that phone, if he had Pat Mahomes' arm and was standing by his car and threw it a half a mile away, it would take more than six seconds for it to travel that distance. It just, it, you, it, you can't. So that to me indicates that he's not the one who threw the phone there. And if he's not the one who threw the phone there, then how can anyone say that they're positive, that they say beyond a reasonable doubt, he's the one who killed her. And this is something I think the defense did a poor job in expressing, but even if they could, he was so reviled in that town, so hated, so loathed that I think that even if the jury saw that they were walking in there and they were going to convict him. One of the, police officers who testified was a brother of a witness i'm like i don't even understand how the hell this is happening like wow. literally a brother to a, a brother to a juror took uh, who's a cop took the stand and said yeah i was one of the people first people there i was like how the heck is the fence letting this happen like what has happened this is just insanity so do i think he's a jerk yes do i think he should spend the rest of his life in prison yeah i mean this when you talk about jerk like literally his maid dies. This is this, I'm going to spell out for you how what an awful person this is. His maid, who's a caretaker for Paul for twenty for eighteen years or so, she, that he looked at as being like a second mother, falls on the steps and dies. Some people speculate, and Netflix will have you believe that Alex killed her because yeah. you know, they point out the very final close that next Netflix thing is. One month before the maid died, he raised, yeah. he jacked his insurance up to $5 million. Yeah. So now, did he have a motive to do that with her? Yeah, there was insurance. There was $5 million. There, there was no insurance on, there was, there was no insurance on whatever, on, uh, on the wife and son. But, um, and this, this is, this is the thing about, about describing what a terrible person this is. So the maid dies. Alex goes over to the maid's son. She has two surviving sons. And he's like, hey, she fell on my property. Uh, I'll sue myself. The property is owned by my wife. Right. So we'll sue. I'll represent you. We'll sue. You'll sue Maggie. And the insurance, well, we have half a million dollars in insurance that you'll be able to make. And you and your brother will each be able to get $100,000. Right. So the son's like, oh, okay, fine. Let's do that. Let's, that, that sounds great. So he gets retained, settles the case for $4.2 million because he lied and pretended there was only $500,000 insurance, which was technically true, but there was another clause of insurance, which is if you're underinsured, we'll increase it up to $5 million. So, so he didn't tell, he didn't tell the, the orphan who looks like, by the way, he looks like Forrest Gump, this kid, like, 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 like a skinnier version of Forrest Gump. Like he's like, he's up there on the stand. And I'm not saying this to mock the kid. I'm saying it because when you see this kid, you just want to give him a hug and protect him. Yeah. And this is, and this is the son of, you know, a maid who like, you know, was practically family and Alex is raping this kid financially. So not only is he rape him on that, now he's just not giving his, he didn't even give him the hundred thousand dollars he promised him. And, if, and, and that would have been like at least intelligent to make him go away. The kid's like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, it's still bad. We're still working on it after he had settled it. If he gave the kid $100,000, he probably would have gone off and never even asked about the $4.2 million. He wouldn't have known any better. 
So he's ripping off this kid and his brother. And I mean, who the heck does that to such an innocent little soul? But that's how that's how self-involved he was. And the Evil sickest people. and the sickest thing of this of this whole thing is that kid, he's up on the stand. DA asked him, he's like, So um why is it that you were acting on behalf of your brother? He's like, oh, uh, uh, well, uh, my, my brother's kind of slow. And you're like, uh, you're like, you took, you took advantage of Forrest Gump and Bubba. Wow. Like, like you took it, like, like, how do you do that? Who does that? You're such a terrible human being. So he, their, their whole thing was, that. yeah. So their whole thing was just to make him look like the worst person ever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whether he committed the crime or not, so that they would just yeah, yeah, let's just stick it to him, man. Look at all these people. His son's bad, killed a girl in a boat, and it all this stuff. It took them an like... hour to convict him. One hour. That wow, was... really? That was... Yes, it was faster. You know that? Remember that guy who drove through the parade? Yeah, that lunatic monster who, like, basically, you know, it, we should like basically rip up the Eighth Amendment, which which prohibits cruel and unusual punishment, and say, look, we we got we're gonna get a mulligan on this and treat this guy like cruelly and unusually because he's such a terrible human being that you know he's not really human, he's like part demon. That guy, it took the jury three hours. Alex Murdoch, it took them one hour. <laughs> it's like, how's how's this how is this even like? That's like not even possible. That's not even possible. So, yeah, it was it. So, yeah, is he a terrible person? Yes. Should he spend the rest of his life in jail? Yes. It, is this a statement about justice? Absolutely not. This is not the way our judicial system is supposed to operate. So, whatever. But it was a fun trial to watch. There was some great moments in it. Some good. What do you moments. think will happen though? What What uh, do you think he'll like appeals and all that stuff? I don't know. I mean, he. I think he's going to appeal. I think he has to appeal. Yeah. You know, I. I I think that he's got a lot of bases to appeal. They, you know, Judge Newsom there allowed in so much evidence that never should have been allowed in. So, I mean, and I think there's, there was, and then there was, there was questions about whether there was Fifth Amendment violations and Sixth Amendment violations with the way that uh, questions were being asked there on the stand. There was a lot of problems that, you know, he had there, but uh, that the, that the prosecution has. So, even if he wins an appeal, it's recognized he's still spending the rest of his life in jail. You know, now maybe it's different type of prison. If it's financial crimes, than if it's like, you know, lock up with, you know, the murderers. But yeah. I think I think the news just came out four hours ago. Um, Alex Murdoch moved to protective custody unit in South Carolina. Oh, so I was looking up just to see if there was an update on what was happening you know, with him and his, with all the stuff. But I mean, it is like, this is something you write a horror movie around, you know, like, like, like this, this, this could definitely be turned into some crazy exaggerated film of a crazy family embezzling money, you know, kill murders and people dying and all that stuff. And underage drinking and boat race i mean it's just like it's all there like it yeah. is literally like all there but we really might see um, a second a second trial here i think there's like, like i think there's like like appeals are for losers that's like a an, a phrase that branca coined which is a well-said thing because well a if you win you don't appeal only a loser appeals and also when you and also even if you win you just get a do-over you don't actually win so um interesting and and also the success rate of appeals is 
very, very low. It's very low. So that's why the phrase, that's the, the meaning behind the, the phrase appeals are for losers. But I think that his appeal is probably sh much stronger than most. Let's put it that way. Like much stronger than Amber Heard's appeal. Like much stronger. It's not even close. Um, okay. So since we don't really talk too much politics on this channel, mm -hmm. but. Yep. But <laughs> it seems there's a former president that might be heading to New York <laughs> for something. For Let something. Let me uh, Google this. So former president. Yeah, he might want to Google this. <laughs> he wasn't really popular, you know, didn't really Damn. didn't really do much. Um, but as non like so this this will not be a trial, correct? Why why not? It will. So do you think this will go to trial? Well, it'll either be dismissed by the appellate court or it's gonna go to trial. What do you think? Uh, just an opinion. Are you allowed to give you an opinion on it? Yeah, I can give my opinion on it. Um, I think it's. I think this is like 50-50 whether this makes it to trial. It's 50-50. I don't think Bragg's going to drop the charges. And, but again, before I say anything on this, we need to, to recognize that we're only speculating about what the charges are. Nobody knows oh, what right. the charges are. And the charges, for all we know, like they caught some video of him burning a $5 bill and are getting him for arson and destruction of government property. You know, we, don't, we have no idea. Seriously, it could be something like stupid like that. They, or they literally can, you know, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they got some witness to come forward and say that he, you know, he essayed somebody. I don't know. We don't know what, what, what happened in that grand jury. All we know is the the Stormy Daniels payment of one hundred thirty thousand dollars and that filing and that whole re that whole record there, and there are a lot of legal issues, novel theories of law that doubt that District Attorney Alvin Bragg had to invent, and has to have hold up in order for him to get a conviction, and if those novel theories are rejected by the by the appellate court, these charges will be dismissed without there being a, a trial. So, for example, one novel theory he has, right? You know no president has ever been criminally charged. Yeah. So, obviously, the state of New York has never tried charging uh, uh, any, any president. One theory he has is the statute of limitations to charge for a felony is five years. Well, this happened in 2016. If you do the math, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't add up. Yeah. So, how is this not beyond the statute of limitations? Well, Del Alvin Bragg's theory is while he was sitting as president of the United States, the statute of limitation is told. It's put on pause. It's on hold. Why would that be, though? I mean, the, he, he, that's what he decided. That's what the, it seems as if the district court that he was, you know, he brought this grand jury proceeding in front of seemed to agree with him. But is that something that the appellate court for the first department in the state of New York is going to agree with? I don't know. Is that something that the court of appeals, which is the highest court in New York, is going to agree with? I don't know. If the Court of Appeals upholds this, that's something the Supreme Court is going to agree with. That, yes, we want in the future that whatever president is sitting, why should it be told during that period? I guess they, the argument would be he cannot be charged at during that period. So that's why we shouldn't be stripped of our right to, to go so after so weird, man. And, and just for the record, everyone, we're still talking pop culture. This is the star of The Apprentice. Okay. Yes. So Television. why would the Star Apprentice? <laughs> Great. I love it. I love it. Nice. Let's see how I can tie it all in. It's well the Star of the Apprentice. Yeah. Um, is taking in that will be if if this thing 
Ghost for the first Trout. time in American history, the star of The Apprentice is being that taken, will be uh, must see TV. Are you gonna cut? Co- you would cover it, I'm assuming. So I would. I think I'm probably gonna end up going down to New York tomorrow. We have. Uh, Are you gonna go live from your cell phone? I don't know if I can. I'd like to. Wouldn't that be so cool? This. I think you, I think you should. With my attorney card here. And so, can I give you some advice if you do go live from your cell phone? Uh, do you use StreamYards on your live yeah, streams? I do. Okay, so so as someone who goes to theme parks and live streams at theme parks, um, using the YouTube Go Live button, it doesn't work. It's it's a terrible app. If you if you are able to put go through StreamYards through your phone and set it up and go live through StreamYards on your phone, mm-hmm. for some reason, and that's just me. For some reason, other people. They have a lot more success of stabilization, picture quality, things like that. Just just a little advice. That's all. I don't know. You might not need it. You might they might have like superb cell service and you could just hit that. I think you should go live if you walk in the streets there. I think that would be. Uh, I'm thinking of getting into the courtroom. <sighs> I don't think they'll let me film in the courtroom. No, they won't let you film in the courtroom. But for those that are curious Make sure you subscribe to Good Logic because I'm sure if you're in the courtroom and you leave, you will definitely go live later and tell yeah. your thoughts of what you've seen. For sure. So make sure I know the mods have been dropping your channel link in the chat, and uh, it's you, also mods. in the description. And wherever you're listening to this, once it, when it finally gets uploaded to iTunes or Spotify or wherever, you will find uh, his link in the description as well. God bless. So you. it should be up. I'm hoping tomorrow or the next day. And um, that that's going to be wild. No matter where people sit on the political spectrum or mm-hmm. whatever, this is going to be – it will be must-see TV. It just will. This will be O.J. Simpson on trial. This will be whatever big event that happened. This will be Johnny Depp, whatever it is. This will be must-see TV. So if you're interested in uh, watching – yeah, I I definitely look. Check out his channel, <laughs> I'll, I'll man. Covering, I'm trying to I'm trying to sell you, brother. I'm trying to I will you. be I will be covering the hell out of this case. That's yeah. for sure. I will be covering the hell out of this case. I'm and to the I'm sort of torn between going in there versus streaming from my own from my own laptop in my own studio here. But I'm probably going to go in because it's such a unique opportunity, and this is a, this is an historic event. Could be so, once in a lifetime opportunity. You know what? I'll say this. Hopefully, hopefully, this is not something that becomes a recurring theme that is like we're continually going after presidents and trying to find crimes on that. Hopefully, it is a once in a lifetime thing. But yeah, so I, I, as I think it through, I was torn. I was like, do I want to go down there? Do I want to stream it from from? And I was like, you know How what? Close are I want to be Trump there. Tower. Oh, I live. Um, I mean, don't dox yourself. I'm just no. I, I I live 11 miles from midtown Manhattan, as the Oof. crow flies. So, I'm I can take public transportation yeah. and be in Lower Manhattan where this courthouse is in like an hour and a quarter. So, I definitely think that I'm going to. As I think it through, I'm like, how am I going to miss? How would I possibly miss this? I have to be there for this. So, I'm. I, uh, all right, I'll be there tomorrow. There you go. All right, there it is. Chat. Over 300 <laughs> people here. Many over on Rumble, off you know, hitting 40 plus over on Rumble. Um, there you have it. Go see Joe as he's going to, it, he's going to, 
Is there like a time period? Two fifteen like, tomorrow is when that thing's supposed to be tomorrow. Two fifteen tomorrow. I see Jane Eastern. Theory in the chat. She loves this. She loves Law Tube as well. She we always talk about that stuff. So cool. you know, I can't wait to see what happens. I think everyone will be curious. Like I said, I I think no matter what happens on the political, where you ever sit political. Whether you hate them, whether you love them, whether you're like, I don't know much about them, people are going to watch. Like, they just are going to watch because they want to, they, they, they're going to want to know. I think this is going to be huge. Well, I mean, um, I'll tell you my, my perspective on, on Donald Trump, which I don't know if you want me. I don't know if, maybe no, I no, go for it. Hey, no, no, you're good, man. Let it fly. People know I'm conservative, you know, so right. it's all, it's all good. No, I, I think that Donald Trump is a very, very flawed individual. And 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 I would never want any of my kids to grow up to have the personality type that he is. I think he's a narcissist. He's insecure. And he's very and that he will he'll lie slash exaggerate in order to try and make himself seem as good as possible. I also think that the policies he implemented as president were probably the best in my lifetime. Mm. So you're I not think alone that in saying a, that stuff. He's a, I think oh. he's I think he's a bad. I think he, that he's not nearly. I would never qualify him as being like. And he's probably fun. And he's a fun person to listen to. He's engaging and entertaining. So what I, my point is, I would never want any of my kids to grow up like be like that. I don't think he's a role model for what the type of person anyone should be. But his work as president was was ex- to me ex- exceptional, especially in foreign policy, but even domestic policy primarily. There's some flaws, and and even as president, the the biggest flaw I had with him was his choice of who to surround himself with. He made he's terrible at at knowing at understanding who's a, a good person to have around him and who's a snake waiting to stab him in the back. I mean, he's just a terrible judge of character. But the policies he implemented, I I was a very big fan of by by and large, almost almost all of them. So, and I think he helped black people. I think he helped gays. He helped Jews. He helped uh, white people. He helped, he, helped, he, helped every, he helped everybody and started no new wars. I, so, so. He, I know you might not know this about me, but, um, and I, and I've always said this cause people, a lot of people ask my opinion on, uh, different things. I used to live, uh, in about uh, 2010, um, I used to live in Haiti of all places. I did a lot of like, uh, really? I know, I know. Yeah, I did a lot of work there, and it it every year this channel, this Drunk Three PO channel, we take a lot of the memberships, money, and stuff like that, and we always build an orphanage. Like we did one in El Salvador last year. Now this year, we're oh, you and on... you and the Clinton Foundation. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I got man, you got to invite me on your channel, and I will tell you stories for days uh. about the Clinton Foundation. Don't get me started. Like I was in Haiti when all that mess was <laughs> happening, man. I got stories for days that people uh, they probably wouldn't even believe me if I told you. But uh, it's like it it I was right there in the middle of that stuff. But I always people always ask about, you know, what do I think about? And and I'm like, listen, if if you have someone in charge that helps Americans become better all around financially with work, with everything, no matter what happens uh, in, in the rest of the world, Americans have always been the most generous people. Always. We adopt more international children than any country. We adopt more local, you know, in than any country in the world. We give to more charitable organizations internationally than any country in the world. Any country. Not China, not no one else. Americans. Americans do that. And I always was like, if you know, because uh, 
Obama gave when the Haiti earthquake hit, Obama gave Haiti like two hundred million dollars. But if you read the fine print, he didn't really give money. He it went to debt collection. So basically, Haiti was starving, and he's like, "Well, I'll pay off your credit card." I don't know if that makes sense. Basically, like what a lot of these people did. So they were just like, "Well." If they're just so focused on America, what about the rest of the world? I was like, listen, if you get someone in charge that takes care of Americans, Americans give more money, they help more, they, they just do. When Americans are struggling, there's, a, there's an old saying, if, 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 uh, if America sneezes, Central America catches a cold, and the Caribbeans catch the flu. I mean, it's like, it just it trickles down uh, in helping. And so I'm all for whoever we put in charge to... <laughs> to like help this country get to where it needs to be indeed and i i'm i'm with you on the ukraine stuff all that stuff i just think i just think there's like uh people just need to look and uh vote to where what will help americans be better americans because yes at, at the end of the day like i said I've, i just i think i've said this seven times already we are the most generous nation overall people we have we love to give we love to help but we can't do that if we're nervous about tomorrow and you know everything else that's around us so uh yeah look at the chat good stuff but we hit our hour and 30 minutes my man joe is gonna have some pizza <laughs> listen i was in uh new york last year mm -hmm. i think it was last year and i've never been to times square and i, I got the opportunity to stay uh, in times square and I just went crazy, man. I had the best time of my life. I never slept. I was in Times Square till 4 a.m. Y'all have like a Krispy Kreme donuts that's open 24-7 in Times Square. I was like, I was blown away. And then I'm like, I need to go where the best pizza. They're like, go to the Dominican shop. We went to the mm -hmm. Dominican shop. That pizza was so good. Mm -hmm. Like, I just wanted to rub it on my skin. I couldn't believe it. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. Tom if you ever do that, you should take a video of it. I'm sitting yeah. there in Times Square, and in a matter of four hours, they shot a music video that I was in, right? Because they were like, anybody want to be in the music video? I just stood in the back, and I just jumped a little bit. I don't even know who the artist was, but I just was in it. And then there was a PETA protest that I just randomly kind of walked in, even though I hate PETA and whatever they stand for. I just thought it was funny. Um, that they were there just protesting in Times Square. In a matter of four hours, like, man, you got a peanut protest, a, a hip-hop music video, Dunkin', uh, uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts 24-7, yeah. a block over. These Dominicans are making the best pizza I ever had in my life. Right. Uh, not what, like, this is life, man. This is life. Uh, <laughs> the Lost Tales for 10 says, Jay, what the F? I don't need that image in my head. My bad. I'm just telling you, if you ever get a chance to um, go to Times Square like that, that's when I went to uh, you guys remember I went to Fox News and met, and hung out with Kaylee and Sean Hannity and all those people over there. So that was who are you? I people I've tried to tell you, I'm literally like Forrest Gump. Like, who are you? Like, uh, you know, Trump's press secretary. Kaylee McEnany. Yeah, yeah. You got to hang out with her and uh, take some pictures. And I was in Fox News like. I, we got a tour of Fox News. I got a tour of Fox News, and like they showed me the ins and outs of of everything. And then Sean Hannity gave me some autograph. Like it was perfect because um, my family. There's some people in my family that like Sean Hannity a lot, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Hey, man, can you like sign like their personal name so I don't have to buy him anything for Christmas?" 
why he's like, how many you need? Jay was like, this one, this one, this That's one, great. this one. So it was like, it, yeah, he's a name dropper. Heck yeah, I'm a name dropper. Yeah. Jay always ends up in the best situations. I know. I don't know how this happens. He's a secret agent. I don't know how this happened. But you guys that have been a part of this channel, you guys know. Um, you know, that's just how it is. But oh. it, it was it was interesting. But that I had more fun in Times Square than I did at the Fox News building meeting those those people where I I thought time, time <laughs> they would they were like filming their show and then they would come out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the cake of makeup from the guys and the girls that they have on is like yeah. this thick, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, if they shook their head, it would fly all over the place. I'm just sitting there like, man, y'all have a lot of like uh, Walter's World, like whatever his name is. Walter's World. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. He had, I mean, it, oh, was yeah. like, it was like putty. Hey, man, I'm not mocking them at all. It's like they do what they got to do. They're on television. I'm not. Whatever. But uh, I was just like, dang, man, they put a lot of makeup on these people. Mm. So I guess they got to keep them from sweating and they got to keep them from looking old. I don't know. But Uh, it was a cake, man. It was a cake. But, Joe, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come on this channel. I hope I didn't yammer um, on too much there when I was talking about the Alex Murdoch stuff, but you get me started. No, man, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. I, I hope I hope you come back and we'll do it again. Yeah, sure. And uh I think I think that'd be I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. Especially especially. I gotta have you I gotta have you on my channel. You if you have me on, stories. we'll talk. We'll talk Clinton Foundation. Um <laughs> trust me. All right, sell me sell me on it. Sell me on having you on. So I gonna I'm gonna hear the ins and outs of the Clinton Foundation. Did you ever meet him? Well, when, when I was in Haiti, there's a signs that were going up everywhere saying this will be rebuilt from the by the Clinton Foundation, right? Schools, hospitals, mm-hmm. nothing ever happened. And what they were supposed to do, they then they finally like started like having people take those signs down. I'll give you a little taste of what was supposed to happen. They were supposed to build. They so after the Haiti earthquake, it was like five billion dollars that everybody from from normal people, whatever. They were giving to all these charity organizations. Then all these organizations had all this money and they're like, this is way too much money. I don't know what to do. So then they gave it all to the UN, the biggest mistake. And then the UN was like, I don't know what to do with this money. So they gave it to the Clinton Foundation. Oh my God. Right? So you're talking billions of dollars. They were going to build the largest ship recycling center here in the, I don't know if you call this the East, because the only one really in the world is in India. So when a ship gets old and they, they can't use it anymore, they take it to India and, and they people just slice it up, all the metal to recycle it. It is a if you've ever seen video of like what goes on there and it, it is horrible. It's like rust everywhere. People don't live long when they work there. It is a terrible place to work. But ships just show up and they they cut them down like the water. You can't swim in it. It's, it's awful. So they were going to build one in Haiti that was going to like resurrect hundreds of thousands of jobs high paying jobs so so companies don't have to bring their ships all the way to india they could just drop them off at haiti so they they blocked off this whole area and they were going to start building it they fenced it around nothing happened nothing happened and you want to know what's crazy people people that were out there screaming like where's the money where's the money nobody cared because they were poor Haitian. Who cares what happens to Haiti, right? right? right. Who cares I, what happens to that country? It's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. When, you were, when you were describing the, hor- the horrific conditions in India, 
I was like, yeah, who cares? They're Indians. Like, that's what I'm thinking people would probably say about it. Like, who? that's the natural reaction people will have. We care about our own. And by the yeah. way, that's, that tribalism, I just want to point this out. I don't think that that's considered tribalism. That's not racism because it's not that you care about the fact. It's not that you don't care about them because they're Haitians or because they're Indians or whatever nationality. It's like we care about our own and we don't care about if they were Chinese or French. We wouldn't care either. We would say the same thing. It's like, who cares? They're French people. It's not it's not a racial thing. People turn that into a racial thing when it's really a tribal thing that we care about our own tribe. We care somewhat about Americans. And the closer they are to our circle of Americans, the more we tend to care about them. But basically, that that's the mindset that that we as humans tend to have is just like, yeah, who cares? Like, you know, you, you, you don't you're not rooting for that to happen. But at the end of the day. You're not really torn up about it, losing sleep over it because no, there's only just, so much care you can have. And that's but, the beautiful thing about Americans that you were describing earlier, that we would open up our hearts and give our money to like people who are outside that tribe is a, is a, is a true statement that's a remarkable compliment to American people and who we, who we, and, and, and the values that we hold that are innate to who we are as a people. It's uh, anyway, that's just part of the stuff that, that goes on. But anyway, I want to thank Joe. Thank you, my friend. Make sure you subscribe to his channel because we got an interesting day tomorrow. If you'd love to hear his thoughts on what's happening with uh, former President Donald Trump, he will definitely be having on Rumble and on YouTube. Check out all his socials. Um, you can you can find them in the description below. And uh, just hang out for one second, my friend, as uh, we do this amazing outro. <laughs> And we go from there. Don't forget to check out the pin comment. It is a limited edition rebellion shirt from Nine Line Apparel. Any purchase you make from Nine Line Apparel helps veterans. We're here to help veterans. So make that purchase. It's awesome. And uh, you can go check out what they do for veterans if you don't know. They do a lot of great work over there. And we will catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. We hope you were inspired today. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Rebel Against the Programming podcast.